Our first lesson this morning comes from the book of Genesis, the 12th chapter. Let us listen for God's word. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions they had gathered and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran, and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. Our second scripture lesson today comes from Mark chapter 1. Listen again for God's word and wisdom to us today. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, I spent some time recently getting to know a man from Kenya named Patrick. He's a pastor and coach there who works from his home in Nairobi with other pastors around the country. We, don't know each, we didn't know each other before the conversation, but quickly developed a bond as we talked about Kenya. I shared with him about my travels there in 2005 and my visit to the Presbyterian Church in Kiamba outside Nairobi and my connection to the Presbyterian Church of East Africa. He knew Kiamba well and the clinic the church runs there. He understood how important the church is there for community life. Many of the people in Kiamba are so poor that the church receives the mail for them because they can't afford a mailbox. Announcements before worship now on Sundays include mail call. It was fun to reminisce and remember the baptism that I performed there and the communion service I helped officiate. As we talked about his, his work with pastors and his support and how he supports them, Patrick used a Swahili phrase to talk about the purpose of his work. He said, my work with pastors is cheni yamaji. Cheni yamaji means something like what's happening below the surface, literally under the water. Patrick helps pastors talk about what's going on under the water, what's below the surface in their churches and their lives, what's Cheni Yamaji. As soon as I heard it, I better understood our theme for Lent this year. Perfect love casts out fear. We aren't simply talking about perfect love during Lent. We're also talking about the fear that lurks Cheni Yamaji under the water and below the surface in so much of our lives. Because in truth, fear is a powerful force in our lives and our world. Whether we recognize it or not, it, it's present in everything we do and how we live. It certainly motivates and protects us, but it also harms us. 
In my estimation, it is so present, it is so Cheni Yamaji, in fact, that I wonder sometimes if the big C church got it wrong in saying that the biggest problem in us, the deepest flaw, the original sin is pride. I wonder if more often it's fear. Fear of change, fear of loss, fear of strangers and those who are different from us, fear of failure, fear of not having enough, fear of losing control, fear of death. And today's focus, fear of the unknown. To talk about these fears is to be honest that they are present in us pretty much all of the time. It is to admit that we are often driven by them rather than aware of their power in us, let alone how we could partner with those fears. I'm not sure we will ever fully cast out fear during the season of Lent or ever, but it's certainly easy to see what happens to us and the world when we deny them, repress them, or, or keep them, Chini Yamaji, under the surface. Fear separates us from our bodies. It harms the environment, creates us versus them, makes judgments of others normal, reduces gender identity to either or, leaves people stuck at borders, vilifies people of color and different religions and, and political beliefs, reinforces systems of white privilege and oppression, blames the hungry for being hungry, hoards resources, confirms biases, and even makes it difficult to practice intentional fellowship, just to name a few. As people of faith, we don't promise that we have the antidote to fear. We make the promise that we will practice another way, not the way of fear, but the way of love that faces fear and loves anyway and does it together, especially as we think about our fear of the unknown. The scholar of literature and comparative religions, Joseph Campbell, said that fear of the unknown is our greatest fear. Many of us would enter a tiger's lair, he says, before we would enter a dark cave. Fear of the unknown is such a powerful force in our lives that it was the original meaning of the word xenophobia. We know the Greek word today as fear of the stranger or fear of foreign places, but the root meaning started with fear of the unknown. Psychologists tell us that someone who has a fear of the unknown may have negative feelings towards uncertain situations or events, process information in a biased way, and view uncertainty to be threatening. Many of us experience fear of the unknown in our bodies, as it often induces hot flashes or chills, a choking sensation, shortness of breath, dry mouth, sweating or trembling, nausea, pain, or tightness in the chest, rapid heartbeats, headaches, and dizziness. I can't tell you the number of times I have heard people describe themselves that way when they think about speaking in public or waiting for a diagnosis or asking someone out on a date or getting married or wondering if they're going to be laid off from work or even wondering what will happen on the mission trip. And yet Joseph Campbell goes on to warn us, while caution is a useful instinct, we lose many opportunities and much of the adventure of life if we fail to support the curious explorer in us. 
All of this helps me understand our scripture readings today and the people in them, not as paragons of faith, but as real people who were probably afraid of the unknown, but acted as curious explorers nonetheless. Genesis tells us that Abram was 75 years old when he heard God call him into a completely new and unknown future, telling him to pack up and leave his hometown of Haran in present-day Iraq. Think of that. He was 75. As one commentator noticed, Abram was at the age when most middle-aged heads of families would have been settling down to retirement in the land of their forefathers, dangling grandchildren off their knees. But Abram had no children, let alone grandchildren. And we're not even sure what kind of wealth he really had. Still, the safe thing for him to do would have been to dismiss the voice he heard as some outlandish longing for something different or really the result of some fast food and just hunker down and make the best of whatever he ha- of life he had left to live. Some preachers like to portray Abram as a man of uncommon courage, a visionary who heard the voice of God saying, go, so Abram went. They talk about how he instantly left behind all the trappings of his life he had, and he followed God obediently. This makes him so special that it makes what he does almost unattainable for the rest of us. But I wonder if it's, if it's just us not taking seriously what it means to leave the safety and comfort of what we know for what we don't know. I wonder how focusing on the phrase, so Abram went, doesn't invite us to listen to what it meant for Abram to leave behind what he knew in order to embrace what he didn't. I mean, truth be told, Abram didn't have any guarantees that his life would work out the way it did if he followed God's call into the unknown. And he certainly didn't know what would happen along the way. He didn't know that his wife and his life would be in danger from a foreign king, not once, but twice. He didn't know that God would provide provide him a son, two in fact, and that he'd be asked to sacrifice one of them. He didn't know ahead of time that God would provide and protect that son from sacrifice. We aren't told what kept Abram moving forward. In fact, That he moved forward at all is a miracle, given some of the experiences he had along the way. Knowing what he went through, it makes me understand why we humans crave the comfort of certainty so much. At least staying where he was, Abram would would know how his life would be. Yet somehow he became that curious explorer. Later, much later in the New Testament, the author of the book of Hebrews would celebrate Abram by saying, by faith, Abraham went without knowing where he was going. That's what his story invites us to consider and do. Listen to what he did, and then let go of the places that feed our comfort for security and certainty, and set out without knowing where we're going either. That's what the disciples did in our second lesson from the Gospel of Mark. They didn't get much more from Jesus than Abram got from God. 
The author of the Gospel of Mark doesn't, lo- doesn't really like long, drawn-out discernment processes. He wants readers to think fast and respond quickly, immediately, right now. Mark doesn't invite us to linger and hear the fear of the unknown that the disciples might have had. He's more interested in moving forward, right now. So when Jesus passed by the boat of Simon and Andrew and James and John and said, follow me and I will make you fish for people, they did. Their lives, they left their livelihoods and their families behind and followed Jesus. No questions asked, at least according to Mark's story. No time to wonder who Jesus was or or what it meant to fish for people. Just they left their nets and followed him. We can debate if that's what they did or not. We can ponder what it meant for their families to learn that their husbands and fathers wouldn't be coming home that night or for a long while. But I think the story offers us and asks us something else. How does the fear of the unknown keep us from stepping into God's intention and purpose for us? I mean, if anyone knows what it's like to be afraid of the unknown, it's people who fish. There's no guarantee that they will catch fish. As any wise fisherwoman often says, that's why they call it fishing and not catching. There's no guarantee that they would have dinner at night. There was no guarantee that they would come back from their fishing trip at all. Storms rose up all the time on the Sea of Galilee that could and would easily overwhelm a fishing vessel. Life and work weren't settled for them. They had no 401k or social security or savings accounts or Medicare or Medicaid to fall back on. They lived with fear of the unknown every day. Neither story says that they cast out their fear, out the fear of their lives and boldly went into God's future of love for them. And I find that rather reassuring. The stories only tell us that they went forward that they followed the call they heard. I wonder if that is the practice we're invited to think about. How do we practice love that helps us move forward in the midst of our own fears of the unknown? I think a part of the answer may be to tell stories that don't reinforce our fears, but names them and encourages us to be curious explorers. I recently came across the story of St. Brendan, also known as Brendan the Navigator, or Brendan the Voyager, or Brendan of Clonfort in in Ireland. He was ordained a priest at the age of 26. Brendan is best known for his legendary journey to find the island promised to the saints. Legend holds that he set out with 14 monks on a seven-year-long journey across the Atlantic to find that island. The Irish have suggested that Brendan, an Irishman, was really the first to arrive in America. And you gotta love the national pride. It turns out that not everyone survived that trip. Some died along the way, searching for that island thought to be an earthly paradise. Legend says that they eventually found the island they were looking for. They were allowed to stay only briefly before they returned to Ireland. 
many people want to debate whether they actually, there actually was or is an island or whether they actually took the trip at all. And I think they missed the point. Christine Paintner says the important question of Brendan's journey is this. Are we able to stay present through moments of solace, ease, and joy, as well as the anxiety, fear, and sometimes terror that comes when we let go of all that is familiar to follow our heart's calling? Can we let go of the familiar and travel into the unknown, even when we're afraid? It's fitting that the prayer attributed to Brendan says, help me to journey beyond the familiar and into the unknown. Give me the faith to leave old ways and break fresh ground with you. Christ of the mysteries, I trust you to be stronger than each storm within me. I will trust in the darkness and know that my times, even now, are in your hand. Tune my spirit to the music of heaven and somehow make my obedience count for you. Brendan's faith, his trust in God's presence and purpose for his life enabled him to face his fear of the unknown and follow God's call. The same could be said of, for Abram and the disciples. It doesn't say they stopped being afraid because they followed God. But I suspect that as they ventured into the unknown, they discovered a love far more present than their fear would allow them to see. And the more they saw that love as Chini Yamaji, what was under the surface, the more they could be curious explorers as God created them to be. Brendan concluded at, at some point after his journey, you are the veil that hides the paradise you seek. You are the veil that hides the paradise you seek. Joseph Campbell concluded, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. May we be curious enough to see the love that is stronger than fear holding us and sustaining our lives more faithfully than fear ever will. And may God's love be our guide and what we search for this Lenten season and wherever life and faith take us. Amen.